morning and welcome to the Friant Watering Hole podcast. This is the first of what I hope will be many podcasts, hopefully interesting discussions with interesting guests about issues related to our water supply, valley issues, political issues, things going on in Sacramento, Washington, um, and some other topics that you may not be used to hearing from, especially with our guests. Uh, why, you might ask, are we having a podcast or putting together a podcast? This gives us an opportunity to have a long-form discussion with guests um, that really are influential uh, and that can really have an impact on the issues that we work on and uh, what really makes our water supply possible. Um, so um, we're very thankful today to the Tulare Irrigation District uh, staff and board of directors for hosting us for our first podcast. We're in their beautiful boardroom in Tulare and uh, we appreciate them opening their office for us uh, today. Our first guest uh, for this podcast uh, probably needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Um, give you a little background uh, first. He's a, he's a member of the U.S. Congress. He's on the Intelligence Committee, and he's a very senior member on the Almighty Ways and Means Committee. Uh, Committee work probably occupies most of his time in D.C., uh, but as one of the very few members of Congress who still lives in his district, he comes home on the weekends to be with his wife and three young girls and among his constituents. It's a rare thing, doesn't happen very often, but those of us who live in the Valley are very thankful that he still does that and makes that commitment. Um, the district that this individual represents, uh, largely throughout the Friant service area, uh, encompassing all or most of Tulare County and a large chunk of Fresno County. Um, this particular guest has been sounding the alarm on these water issues um, even before he was sworn into office um, about 20 years ago. But we're, we'll get more, we'll get into that a little more later. Um, I want to welcome to the show today Congressman Devin Nunes. Devin, welcome. Johnny, it's good to be with you. This is a good way to reach uh, farmers throughout the valley. It's one of the things that I did. I, st I started my own podcast too uh, because the news is so fake and so liberal and so unreliable that it's good to go directly to the people that you want to get information to. So uh, congratulations on, on doing this and, and thanks again to Tulare Irrigation District for, for hosting and thanks for having me be one of your first guests. Yeah, glad or, to. Or, you're, or, or I am your first guest. You are the first guest. But you got to yeah. tell the truth, though, too. You actually started as my first uh, chief of staff, worked on my first campaign. So yeah, it's, I'm glad to see you actually have a real job now. We'll get into that a little kind bit. Kind of, maybe. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later also. Uh, but um, in fact, you starting a podcast and a few others that I follow, like Joe Rogan, uh, is really the inspiration for us, for me wanting to get into this to, with uh, Friant because Again, it provides a, a real a different opportunity to have these more in-depth discussions than the 30-second sound bites that you often see on the news. So thank you for your inspiration on this. Um, shall we get right into it? Sure. Okay. Um, so we all watch the news, most of us anyway. Um, most of us kind of bury our faces in social media platforms on our phones. Um, but sometimes it's still hard to really get the answer to this question. What in the hell is going on in Washington, D.C. right now? Is it as bad as it appears in terms of the rancor and the, and the tension in D.C.? Yeah, it's as, bad as, it's as bad as it's ever been. It's getting worse. You, you've got a situation where there's a hard left socialist 
fabric has been built over the Democratic Party. Uh, then you have the weaponization of the news networks and now the weaponization of the social media companies. So you essentially have 47% of America who are not going to listen to anything the fake news has to say. Uh, they know Wikipedia is biased. They know Google's left wing. They know Facebook's uh, censoring conservatives. Typically, those people live in the rural parts of America. Then you have 53% of America that are suburban and inner city, of which I don't believe those people are all left wing, but they're people that don't mind socialism because they like when the garbage trucks come on time. They don't have to worry about going through snow and needing four-wheel drive pickups. They don't really have to worry about eating because they just go downstairs from their apartment building and they've got you know, every type of restaurant there is uh, to, to choose from. So what you have is you have, like all the isms in politics, um, socialism, it's essentially totalitarianism. And we see that with one party rule here in California where they, Bay Area, LA, got all the votes, wipe everybody else out. And that's, we've, we're familiar with it here in California because it's why we have a, a water crisis here in the state of California, getting back to the issues that probably people are listening to this podcast for. We have a water crisis, not because there's a lack of water. We have a water crisis because of people who want political power. They want control over the water. One of the things they've done is they've made a, a, a marriage with radical green, radical green environmental movements. And that's led to, as we were discussing earlier with uh, the head here, uh, Aaron of the Irrigation District, uh, the need to invest tens of millions of dollars into reservoirs, lands, white lands. Um, and unfortunately, because we're not capturing and moving all the water that we have here in the Sierra Nevada mountain range, we're letting 80% of it go out to the ocean, we're now left with small irrigation districts like Tulare and all throughout your Bryant area looking at idling hundreds of thousands of acres, just like what's happened to Westlands. And I know we'll get into that, but um, it's, it's, so that's kind of what we have seen in California over our lifetimes has now manifested itself in Washington, D.C. to where if you're a Republican, you're now a, a white supremacist member of KKK. We're gonna have to protect America from all these bad people. So we're gonna put fences up around it, razor wire over the top, and we're going to tell the media that all Republicans are radicals. I mean, we went from, from we're not just racist, we're now racist and bigots across every platform, including recently now, we also hate Asians, which was new for me. I wasn't, I just found that out here in the last couple of weeks. So what you're saying is, yes, it's as bad as it appears on the news and <laughs> on social damn, media. It's you know, pretty I damn bad. Yeah. I remember a time when I worked for you and it was not, uh, it was, this was not uncommon, we would, frequently socialize with, I mean, I'm, the names that come to mind, guys like Lincoln Davis and Heath Schuler, uh, you know, Democrats who were elected from across, you know, from other parts of the country, we'd socialize. Hell, I mean, I think we'd even go to the Democratic clubs sometimes. Does that, any of that stuff happen anymore? Is there no. any, there's just nothing. No, very, very, very little. Yeah. There's a large divide, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a, I don't know if it's ever gonna correct itself. Um, I mean, it feels like, between you know the social media platforms that just just it's like a powder keg and it's just it's con it's continuing to contribute to this division and I, I don't know how we get out of it it's it's 
I remember those days when I worked for you very fondly. I mean, those were kind of the fun fun times, or some of the fun times anyway. So it's it's disheartening to hear. Um, what do you think, in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest contributor to it? I mean, to, to that rancor? Is it social media? Well, it's all is about it identity politics that's taking everything over. Is it? I mean, what? I mean, what do you think it is? Well, all people. We talked about the isms a little bit ago. People lust for power. They want power. In California, they successfully created over the last 40 years where they wiped out one political party and you essentially have a Politburo system to where people move up the system by having the right connections and the right friends and it's not necessarily based on how you govern because they have all the votes they need. So they, they, they then take over the institutions where you have the courts are a problem. Uh, they even try to you know, target uh, every every agency you can think of from the, the health services all the way to Caltrans to to water districts and water agencies um, it's it's really across the board so once you control the instant once you have the votes you take over the institutions you do that by taking advantage of the media so for for decades now the media has been extreme left-wing well, now they're funneling it through social media platforms. And this is a new phenomenon just in the last five or six years on the social media platforms. But th there's really lack of news here. I mean, for God's sakes, we had uh, here in the Valley, you know, I don't know how many times it would be, all, you know, most of the local news uh, uh, providers were on the side of the people who were advocating sending water out to the ocean uh, or opposing dams, opposing, opposing storage or opposing solutions to the Delta, um, and always you know, with the same old line of, oh, we just we need bipartisan. Well, bipartisan to these news media means that we do exactly what the left wants, which was, well, don't, don't worry about it. We, we want to have a San Joaquin River settlement. It sounds like who doesn't want a nice little flowing water down the San Joaquin River? That's going to be, it's going to be great. Well, it's great if you want to idle one third of your land, which is, Johnny, you were involved in those discussions you know, 20 years ago when we warned of this, and now we're here. So what's led to all of this? It's led to people want power in the state. They have it. It's one party rule. Republicans are essentially a, a true endangered species. Conservatives are, are true endangered species. That's why you see so many of our friends and family businesses that are like, I'm out of here. They're moving to other states that are, that are red, and the blue areas continue to get bluer. And until the music stops and the money runs out, uh, you're probably going to see it continue to get bluer, un unfortunately. So, seems pretty bleak um, on the waterfront. I mean, obviously, these are challenges that this area has been dealing with for 30 years or more. Um, but in terms of the, you know, just the, uh, the, the ability to fix things in Washington, uh, that, that seems bleak as well. I mean, does, in well, the, no, I mean, any, not, I mean, from a, there? from a, remember, they are, the left are fixing things. They're fixing so they have the power. So in their mind, taking this land out here in the valley, that's a good thing. Sending more water out to the ocean, that's a good thing. We worked for 20 years on the biological opinions, redoing those legislation to enable that, to deliver more water. We finally got a president that was willing to do it. Uh, president Trump, we got that done. And now you see just here in the last few weeks, they're going to start to ratchet that back. My guess is they'll redo the biological opinions and we'll be right back to where we started with water just flowing out to the ocean. That was Hold the that only thought. victory we had in, in really 
30 years. Yeah, hold of, that thought because we're going to get to that in the next segment. And so we're going a little long on this one. But uh, so after the break, as promised, we're going to dive into all things water. We're going to be 100% water in the next segment. Uh, you're listening to the Friant water, uh, Watering Hole, and we're broadcasting today from the Tulare Irrigation District boardroom. I'm Johnny Amaral. I'm with my friend and your Congressman, Devin Nunes. We'll be right back. It's amazing what happens around this place when the clock strikes midnight and they think no one is watching what people will say. My message to you is we are watching. I put the entire hearing up on YouTube for everyone in the world to see the pathetic excuses that were made in that committee that night. My colleagues have complained that California farmers are putting fishermen out of work. But the truth is the federal government put the salmon fishermen out of work. In fact, the federal government paid $100 million for the salmon fishermen not to fish. It doesn't take $100 million to solve the crisis in California, Madam Speaker, Mr. Speaker. It doesn't even take a penny. Just turn on the pumps and restore the flow of water is all we're asking. Welcome back to the Friant Watering Hole. What you just heard was a clip of our guest, Devin Nunes, delivering remarks from the floor of the House of Representatives over 11 years ago. Sadly, that same speech can probably could have easily been delivered 11 days ago because seeing things just uh, never seem to change. Uh, Devin, with the uh, exception of the passage of the Wynn Act in 2016, which really was a modest reset of uh, some of the regulations that curtail water deliveries in the Valley, why are legislative victories for the Valley on water issues so hard to come by? Well, we were talking about it when you said in the last segment, when you said, well, are things getting done? And I said, from a conservative perspective or a pro-agriculture perspective, no, things are not getting done in our favor, but they're winning. They're winning big. They, they believe that at least a million acres of farmland should be put out of production. I remember when I first ran, I thought I could sit down at the table with these environmental groups and I was shocked. I, I walked out of there uh, thinking to myself, oh my God, and John, I think you were in some of those meetings. Um, this is way back and before I was even sworn into office and you were Sadler environmentalists and they were with a straight face. They said, with maps out, they said, this land shouldn't have been farmed. This, this land should be put back into production. The Tulare Lake, they basically said, Boswell and all the companies that are out there by Corcoran and all that, 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 that never should have been farmed. And you know, essentially they said that Westland should have never been farmed, all the land. And then, and then they would always say, oh, but we're okay with the small farmers. And then, you know, Fry it. But then I'd say, well, yeah, but how are we gonna move the water to get it to, get it to fry it, you know, because there's a shortage on the east side too. Well, they may have to idle just a little bit of land. And oh, by the way, we really need to get this San Joaquin River settlement done. You think you would support this? Because it's going to be great. There's going to be boats and salmon and it's going to be wonderful. And I said at the time, like, well, how are we going to get salmon back on the San Joaquin River when you've got these series of dams going up? I can't imagine there's really been very many salmon over the last century, really. And they said, oh, no, no, it's, it's going to be fine. So of course, we stupidly agree to that, and now we're sitting here with a lot of the land on the east side that's in, that's in jeopardy. So don't think they believe in these policies. They want this land out of production. I've always warned people, and that's part of the Socialist Democrat Party. That's a main platform. So 
I've always said that just believe it. When they tell you that they want this land out of production, they want the land out of production and they're going to get it. That's why you're seeing what they're having to do in Tulare today and just in this little irrigation district and this, our discussion a little earlier that we had before this podcast, talking about if they're lucky here uh, under these new rules, the state groundwater rules, if they're lucky, if you're in an irrigation district, Tulare's gonna have somewhere short of three acre feet which is, you know, you know, Johnny, is barely enough yeah. to, to, to make a crop and all, the, all your farmers that are listening here too. So we've made, the, the, the WIN Act was a, a modest little way to try to restructure. Uh, it, was a, it was a small victory, the first victory we've had, and then it took the Trump administration to get elected in order to change the biological opinions, to have people actually rule, to say, we have to redo the science, but now, you had the Newsom administration, the Democrats in Sacramento that said, nope, they opposed that, those changes. And, and Johnny, we're talking about small amounts of water. It would have only amounted to important. Every drop is important, but it was a small amount of water. Newsom and the Democrats sued to stop the Trump administration. Now I think you're going to see the Biden administration. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they will figure some way to corrupt the institution of the Department of Interior and likely those Trump changes will be out the window, maybe even before this podcast airs. Yeah, there's a, that's a good segue into another question. Um, on the, let's just dive right into the biological opinions. I mean, there are dozens, um, I mean, several pages of Trump era policies and regulations that not just in Department of Interior, but other agencies that, um, that are kind of on a target list for the new Biden administration. They, they issued a a white paper that showed that, that detailed or provided a list of um, actions that are up for agency review is what they call basically you know they're going to take a look at some of the stuff that the Trump administration did and decide what they how they want to handle it the biops is one of them um, and I can tell you this year you know this is a, a dry water year um, there's no doubt that that's mm -hmm. undeniable um, but work that was done and the development and implementation of the 2019 biops those are really the only two things at least in the front division standing in the way between our 20 percent allocation which is bad mm -hmm. and zero so as we're as as we're sitting here on the east side looking at okay as bad as we think it is right now could have been worse uh what do you what do you think i mean using a crystal ball um and if you kind of touched on it a little bit ago Using your crystal ball, where do you think this goes with, where do you think that the, the new administration is going to go with the, 20, with the biops, the 2019 biops? My, my guess is, is they will, uh, like everything, they corrupt uh, everything they touch. Uh, the environmentalists, never one of those new biops put in place. That's why Newsom and the Democrats sued. Uh, my guess is, is they will make the change and they'll take their bet on the courts. The farmers will try to go to the courts and probably lose like we normally do. Uh, unfortunately, that's mm -hmm. essentially what what's happened, you know, throughout history. Yeah, um, that's what kind of what uh, kind of thinking might, is probably going to happen. It's um, uh, we got to obviously be on high alert because that's an important that's an important regulation to keep uh, at least to keep things um, hopeful here. Um, you know, uh, I've done a lot of thinking ever really since leaving your office um, back six years ago. It's already been six years. Um, but I think in the last, certainly in the last decade or so, you could make, certainly I've made an argument that on the issue of valley water, 
So represent, and if you're looking at representatives, the elected representatives in the Valley on the, on the issue related to Valley water, specifically on infrastructure, there's increasingly, specifically on infrastructure, there's increasingly uh, less daylight between Republicans and Democrats on infrastructure, right? We talk about canals, building and repairing or rehabilitating canals um, and dams. I mean, it's, the, the, without question, the, the political kind of uh, foundation has changed a little bit here in the Valley. Um, I mean, guys like um, uh, Adam Gray and Merced, who I know you know, I mean, they, they come to this discussion differently than other Democrats have in the past, certainly tw more than 20 years ago. Melissa Hurtado is another one. Um, how do you, do you agree with that or you disagree with that? <laughs> well, uh, I think it, I, I disagree with it in a sense that they're doing it for political expediency because they're not going to fight Newsom. They're not going to fight the, the, the things that will bring us actual real water. They're not ever going to be on our side in addressing the real legislation. And I'll, and I'll get into this in a second because I think it's very simple. And I think the more we repeat this, the, the better. But, but of course, they're going to, if, if they oppose water projects, it's a, and this year it will be a major issue. This, this water issue ebbs and flows. So when I first ran for office, everybody said, why are you talking about water? And I said, well, in the long run, it's what's most important to this valley. We're not going to survive, even though it wasn't politically expedient at the time. You know, everybody wanted me to talk about, you know, think hot political topics of the day. But I've always found that it's best to just focus on the issues that you think are the most important at the highest level. So I think we've effectively created a scenario by which if you're a Democrat and you oppose simple things like canal fixes and delivering water to people in dams, you know, you'll probably lose even if you're in a Democratic district. And so we've been able in the Valley here to win, slightly win Democratic districts, barely win them, a lot of times because of this water issue. So I think the Democrats have figured out that they can be with the Newsom and the left wingers saying, hey, we won't touch your biological engine, things that actually move water, but we're going to have to, on paper, before fixing the Frank Kern Canal and building a few new dams and that sort of thing. So, look, I'm not trying to be well, pessimistic. I mean, if, I'm just if, giving you a, a real read a, of the situation. If making a political calculation gets someone to the right spot, great. Oh, look, in, in your position, and Frye and all of them, they have to work. You guys have to work with the people that are elected, and the bottom line is uh, the Democrats have super majorities in Sacramento. You have no choice but to work with them. But you know, this, you're asking me as somebody who's in politics what's really happening, and that's, what I, that's, the, that's my read on it. I appreciate and that. And it doesn't mean, they're, uh, you know, doesn't mean they're, they're bad people, and maybe they would be different, but when, when the real war comes, where were they to stand up and tell Newsom no, you're not going to sue the Trump administration. We need these biological opinions placed. We need to move water. And they were nowhere to be found. Same goes, you know, we tried to get, this is another important issue. Probably the most important project for all of the Valley is raising Shasta. That's ready, that's ready to go. And we had the money for that, but our senators, Democrat senators opposed it, even though the Trump administration supported it. That's a a major raise of a, of a dam that would store a lot of water. And then you, you move the water, then there's just more water for the whole system. So that was something that was that's ready to go. We've been working on, the, the, a lot of the work's been done. 
But Newsom opposed it, our two Democrat senators opposed it, and that was with Trump supporting it and, and the Congress at the time supporting it. So, Well, I would argue, perhaps selfishly, that the probably the most, well, not probably, the most important project, certainly on the east side, is fixing the Bryant Kern Canal. Because, because where, uh, uh, where the capacity has been diminished because of land subsidence due to overpumping, it's created a certain circumstance where water contractors who have contracts and, and are entitled to receive water can't receive their water supply. Yeah. And we're losing out like in 2019, lost out 300,000 acre feet just in one year alone that we yeah. was a missed opportunity. So in terms of bang for the buck, my argument would be, and again, selfishly speaking, fix the Frank Kern Canal first because there's big opportunities. Well, you're, say, you're and, saying and remember, that as a, good, as a good Frank guy, but when I'm talking big picture water that and you could move hundreds of thousands of acre feet. Now look, well, there's right, all these but, there's but, all these bottlenecks. But recognize that, like in the and I didn't even realize this until I came over to Fryant that in more than half of the years, there's more water in this watershed than our infrastructure can move in more than half of the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we have waited this long to fix the canal, which it's a, admittedly, it was a recent phenomenon that we just deter- we figured out, that, that the mm-hmm. Bryant staff figured out just a few, a few years ago, or de- uh, found out a few years ago. But uh, t- that we haven't been able to take advantage of that opportunity yet um, has to be remedied. We, we have to fix that because Sigma, got all these new pressures coming on water users that if we're not, if, we're, if we allow a drop of water more than is absolutely necessary to leave this basin, shame on us. Leave this water set, shame on us. We have to mm-hmm. take care of that. No, yeah, and, I, go, and I understand and I understand that uh, for the Friant, how important it is, uh, but it's also important, and I know you guys are doing this. This is the, I think you guys have had some, some really good leadership on this from your board on, in the big picture, which is if you fix this canal again, it won't be the first time you, it's been fixed and before our time, but it's important to take care to ensure you're taking the precautions that we're not going to be right back in the same spot yeah. here in 20 years where it just lowers. And that's I mean, not the challenge to get, that you yeah, guys Not to here. get into too many details on that, but I mean, we're basically over-engineering the, the, the fix to mm-hmm. account for what might happen in the future. So, um, so yeah, we, we, we took that into consideration as well. Uh, two more questions before this, the next break. Um, you are kind of notorious for not being afraid to give water agencies and farm groups quote-unquote advice over the years. Mm-hmm. I remember some of the advice you gave to some of the groups when I was working for you. Uh, any words of wisdom these days? Well, it's going to be... Look, I, I think the right steps are being made. I feel like it's tough, but I don't like it. I don't like that we are where we are, but I do think people are now realizing the decisions that were made 20 years ago now have to be implemented. And so uh, uh, none of us like this. I mean, I, I really, it really bothers me to see a lot of this land that where I, I grew up around here that's in the long run going to be idled. But I think everybody's heads are in the right spot. I think they understand their situational awareness around the politics of Sacramento, Sigma, what's going to have to be done to implement that. Like you just said, we got to every drop of water that we can now. We're going to have to we're going to have to keep it here uh, in the central southern San Joaquin Valley because in the long run, um, it's probably going to get worse. I'm, my guess is the pumps in the delta. It's going to be harder and harder. 
we're not going to get raising of Shasta, raising of uh, the expansion of, of some of the other projects around here. It's going to be very, very difficult. So yeah, the the, going to be the drought of just a few years ago, 2014, 2015, which was bad, and the implementation of Sigma has created, and we talked to Aaron Fukuda today. You heard what they're mm -hmm. up to, what the Tillery ID is up to. That's mm -hmm. That could be amplified across all most of the districts in the Bryant Division. Uh, in terms of how they're dealing with coming up, making sure they have a plan to be to have enough water in mm -hmm. the future. So it there has been a, a mindset change since certainly since the last drought, and then of course the implement, uh, now the implementation of Sigma, which is a, a reality check that's smacking everyone in the head right now. So last question before the break: um, When I left your staff six years ago, one of the last bits of advice you gave me was to. You begged me not to turn into a water weenie. How have I done? Well, you have a podcast, so that's that's pretty much definition of water weenie. Oh, great. Thanks. Okay. All right. On that note, after the break, we're going to do something a little different um, than probably Devin's used to. Um, hopefully, it's entertaining. Hopefully, it's funny. You're listening to the Friant Watering Hole, and we're broadcasting today from the Tulare Irrigation District Boardroom. I'm Johnny Amaral, and I'm here with my friend and your congressman, Devin Nunes. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We just have a few more minutes with our guest, Devin Nunes. Again, thanks for coming and joining us today. But instead of working our brains overtime after those two heavy segments, we're going to lighten things up a little bit. For uh, full disclosure, part of this segment is a complete and total ripoff of Norm MacDonald, who happens to be my favorite comic, joke writer, and by the way, the original deliverer of fake news. Did you know that? He's the one who invented the term fake news when he was the, uh, the host on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. He really? I thought, I thought Obama and Zuckerberg nope. does. Nope. Uh, Norm MacDonald gets the credit for inventing the term fake news. Before we get to that, though, a uh, couple questions just to hear a little bit about kind of what you like to do, you know, some sports, things like that. Um, you are a lifelong fan of the Oakland slash LA slash Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. Um, how would you rate their offseason so far? Well, they escaped. I think the only good thing that's happened to them the last few years is they escaped from California, uh, got out of the... Uh, Bay Area, uh, which was probably a good thing for them. It would probably be easier for them to recruit players to Las Vegas. Obviously, they'll pay cheaper, uh, lower taxes. But uh, I should have known when I wrote this question that you would not comment on their offseason, instead comment on exiting California. I should have known. Well, and the, and the reason why that's good ultimately for the Raiders because they can spend more money on they players. They can spend more money on oh. players because players will live better in, in, in Las Vegas. And, of course, with the, the, having uh, Derek Carr there, uh, product of the Valley, Fresno State, it's been, uh, it's been great, uh, great to watch. And hopefully they, they improve. Uh, it's, I read somewhere it's that their star running back, a guy named Josh Jacobs, who's on my fantasy team, he, his agent in, in negotiating his contract deferred most of his salary until the team moved mm -hmm. to Nevada. <laughs> I wouldn't surprise. I didn't read I mean, that. Real that smart. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, speaking of Derek Carr, God, there's been a lot of talk about him this off season about the Raiders moving off of him. Um, is, you think he'll be a Raider for life? I would think so, unless I don't think the Raiders' problems have been the quarterback. I think their problems have been uh, other basic things like 
defense. Their, their problem has not been yeah. scoring. Their problem yeah. has been they'll score 30 points a game. The problem is they give up 42. It doesn't work very well. Yeah, but usually if, if they go 7-9, and nine, which I'm predicting they will, it's, they're either going to blame him or the coach. And so they'll probably move off of him. Yeah, but remember, seven and nine is good for the Raiders. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, um, so if you were able to place a bet today, who's making the Super Bowl, the next Super Bowl? Which two teams will make the next Super Bowl? Well, I'm kind of going for Tom Brady and the guys. I wasn't really a Brady fan all that much over the years, but he's anybody who can play like that for that long and, and win and also essentially call uh, the media out. He doesn't care what the media thinks. I got to kind of admire a guy like that. Yeah, he's a remarkable human being. Uh, if you think about what he's done, not, not, not only on the football field, but just everything else, it's just it's pretty remarkable to see. I don't know if he can it. put it together again for next year. It's not tough. They're all getting older. Him and I, I think Gronkowski's coming back too. Yep. But I think the Super Bowl would have had about a third of the ratings that it got if they if Brady wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. Now the Chiefs are also a great team and Mahomes is a great quarterback. Could be a rematch. Well, but we'll yeah, see. No. Could could be. Could be. I'm going for the Niners, but oh well. Um, not pe- not many people know this either. It's kind of uncommon here in California for a Californian to be a Celtics fan. But you've been a Celtics fan for as long as I can remember since we were kids. So, uh, who are, who do you think are the the top three Celtics of all time. Now, let's set aside Bill Russell and Larry Bird. They're one and two. What? They're, they're one and two. Okay. So who, who's the third best Celtic of all time? I mean, is it Kuzi, Havlicek, Parrish, McHale, Scalabrini? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think that um, is? I would probably, I think you'd have to go with Paul Pierce. He was there for a long time. Paul Pierce, yeah. Paul Pierce, they only won one title, but he was a solid player for, for many, many years. Yeah, that's a good choice. Okay. All right, so we're going to end this segment um, by telling some jokes. Now, I've, hand, I've just handed the esteemed congressman some cards. He's not, he's not reading ahead. These are Norm McDonald jokes. I want to make sure credit goes where credit is deserved. Um, and we're going to see if Congressman Nunes is able to deliver a joke written on a card, handed over to him. You'll do two, and I'll do two. We'll, we'll alternate. Like, I'll start. Okay. Um, remember Donald Sterling, the guy that used to own the Clippers? Yes. He got into some trouble for saying some really, really bad things. Here's the joke. All the charities that Donald Sterling donated millions of dollars to are giving it back to him. That'll show him. You need a gong. These are, these are terrible okay, jokes. Okay, well, maybe. I signed, up, I signed up for my company's 401k, but I don't think I can run that far <laughs> yeah you butchered the delivery but uh, okay um, here's a real easy way to figure out if you're taking too many meds you refer to your medication as meds probably good it's probably true it's probably okay. true in World Cup soccer Mexico defeated Cameroon one to nothing or as it's known in soccer a blowout which is really true it, with yeah, soccer it is it is it's soccer if you once you get up 2-0, then they essentially, especially if you're down a player, then it's pretty much you can wipe out 60 minutes pretty quickly. Yeah, I'll finish this pathetic joke segment with this one, since Elon Musk is always in the news. Say what you will about Elon Musk, but with his new plan to take people to Mars, 
there really isn't a more creative serial killer, is there? I mean, there isn't. It's not bad. All right. Musk left California, by the way. Yeah, well, there you go again. Texas. Uh, on that note, in all seriousness, thank you. I know you're real busy. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I hope this turns out well. I hope this is Well, good uh, luck with this. I think it's many. a good way to reach, reach your farmers and the growers, so good luck. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again, Devin. Appreciate right, it. Thank you.